I want to thank our sponsor, Icarus Originals, who are a British-run company run by two servicemen that create high-quality aviation design cufflinks designed by the aviation community for the aviation community. All of their products are individually cast and handcrafted in the UK using only aircraft material recovered from certifiable sources. You too can own a bit of aviation history with these stunning Hawk T1 cufflinks made from a former Red Arrows aircraft. Make sure you head to their website at IcarusOriginals.com to check out all their amazing products and more. And obviously we're here at Aria Scampton and you're now currently Red 2. So tell us how you got to this point. Yeah, so um, as everybody before they're joining the, uh, the Red Arrows, you have to achieve a number of of different uh, milestones in terms of hours, so you need around 1500 uh, faster hours, wow. you also need your above average recommend. Uh, so I had to achieve those first and then put my application in. Um, and then the application process, effectively generally about 30 or 40 guys will apply each year. That then gets whittled down to a short list of about nine people. Wow. And then those nine people will go and spend a week with the team on Springhawk, which traditionally is in RF at Criteria in Cyprus, mm -hmm. but the last couple of years, because our Criteria has been busy, mm -hmm. has been in Greece. Mm -hmm. So my first shortlist, I went out to Greece, spent a week with the team, uh, and the uh, the process itself, then the formal side of things, you've got uh, an interview, uh, a flying test, a practice media interview, and then outside of that, it's just the generic um, sort of socialising side of things. How well do you get on with the team? How well do they get on with you? Mm -hmm. At the end of that week, uh, you go away, and then within a week or two, you'll find out if you're successful or not. Mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of doing that twice, because first time, <laughs> I wasn't successful. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm very happy to say, second time, I was successful. And so that was about this time last year, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then I joined the team in October mm -hmm. of 2019. So was that week, uh, I guess, test, was that quite daunting um, for you? I think it can be. It's one of those things where um, it, it, you, you put pressure on yourself because everybody wants to do well. And because it's sort of, um, you've got that constant, or you feel like protecting is that constant yeah. people looking at you, there is the chance for people sometimes to clam up. And you will notice some characters, um, as I said, I've done two shortlists now. Um, you will notice some characters changing sometimes uh, throughout that week. So you do have to just uh, remind yourself that mm. you know you're there for a reason, and uh, try and relax as much as you can, and enjoy it because you're mm. getting to fly with the Red Arrows three times a day, in the amazing weather in Greece. So can't be bad, can it? No, it can't <laughs> be bad. Just try and enjoy it. Exactly. So was it always a boyhood dream to join the Red Arrows? Yeah, I think it was. Um, as I say, the Red Arrows are probably one of the reasons I wanted to join the Royal Air Force in the first place, and it was always something I had in the back of my mind. Um, once I'd been streamed jets, I knew that was potentially an option. Yeah. But because I knew you'd have to get the number of hours and then that above average recommend, it was something that I'd kind of put on the back, well not put on the back burner, but was just thinking about. Um, and then once I'd achieved the hours and the, uh, and the, uh, the recommend, it was then about uh, putting mm -hmm. the application in and seeing how it mm -hmm. So can you remember where you were when you got the call to say you're in? I can actually. Uh, it's, quite, it's quite nice because I was at home. I was on a bit of leave. Uh -huh. Um, and the way it works, it's it's not just uh, it's actually not uh, red one that calls you up or the bot or the sorry the OC. Um, it's kind of old fashioned the RF. So they tell the station commander, and then the station commander will let you know. 
So at Coningsby, there was a couple of us that were applying. So I was told to ring the stage commander at, at midday on a certain day. And I just happened to be at home. So went upstairs. Uh, as I walked upstairs, mum's like, good luck. <laughs> so I went and made the phone call, a bit of polite chit-chat with the station commander while I'm sat there at the end waiting Thinking, for come to on. tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got the good news uh, and then went back downstairs. And so it's quite nice. The first person I saw was my mum. Oh, that's Managed to tell her she gave me a big hug. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's quite, well, obviously a very memorable day. Absolutely. And when did you start practising? Yeah, so going through flying training, I flew T1. So... Um, you just do a refresher on the T1 initially, and that's done a bit of ground school at Valley, yep. and then a couple of weeks flying at RF Leaming up in Yorkshire. And then you come down, and we didn't start the formation side of things till October. And so initially, because it's sort of a building block approach in the in the Red Arrows, they don't just throw nine jets up together and see how it goes. So initially it's just myself and Critch, who's uh, Red 3 this year, mm -hmm. and we just went up with the boss for probably about a week or two, just practicing a couple of different maneuvers in a couple of different formation shapes and it's only when we were steady enough in our what we call the box which is our allotted bit of airspace reference reference red one that um he then tagged four and five on and then we started practicing as enid the front five. yeah what was it like getting used to the voice commands because that must have been a bit strange uh, at first to you know kind of get used to that yeah so it's very it is very a very different way of doing formation flying obviously every jet pilot will have flown formation before but the way i describe frontline formation flying is reactionary because you see the jet move and then you move now that wouldn't work with the reds because the way we're looking to do it is try and get that graceful welded wing movement such mm -hmm. that everyone looks like they're moving at the same time mm -hmm. hence why it's done on timing so you're listening to red one's command and you're timing your input reference his command so in fact timing is one of the big things to refine and to get absolutely right and if your timing slightly off it tends to show up quite a lot so yeah timing is the brand new way of flying it um and it's actually one of the things we spend a lot of time working on mm -hmm. what was it like going back to the hawk which is a, i guess a 70s aircraft coming from the typhoon yeah so the big difference with it i think is the fact that with the hawk aside from the fact obviously it's smaller aircraft less powerful it's still a it's still a good performing jet it's absolutely perfect for what we want to do here mm -hmm. and the big difference i think is because in typhoon you've got that fly-by-wire system which means there's a little bit of a dead zone in the middle which right. i hadn't fully appreciated before i went back to the hawk to uh to do a bit of pre-flying just prior to the uh, the shortlist mm -hmm. and as soon as i put my hands on the stick i could feel the jet twitching around and that was just really odd for me because Obviously, I'd been flying a Typhoon the day before, and that wasn't twitching around. <laughs> yeah. I guess my hands had just got used to the, the way the Typhoon felt, mm -hmm. and then getting back used to the way the, uh, the Hawk T1 feels. So it took a flight to just get the hands to relearn, relearn the inputs and the feel of the jet. But I'm a massive fan of the Hawk T1. It's such a great little jet, very simple. Um, good quite, looking as well. It's a good looking jet. It's yeah, a nice it's... color as well, this yeah, one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it, it's just a very simple jet works pretty much every time and because of the sort of flying we do we do here it's absolutely perfect mm -hmm. could you describe how important the briefings and debriefings are for a flight yeah briefings are a massive part of it and then obviously the debriefings as well is where we draw the learning points out so i'll take the briefings it's a good chance for us to go through what we're about to do and get our heads in the game for that and also we go through a lot of the cadences and because of a lot of a lot of what we do is on timing we make sure that everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet on the ground because yep. if we can't get the timing right in the brief we're not going to be able to get that right in the air mm -hmm. so we'll focus on that as well mm -hmm. 
obviously then we'll go and do the, the flight and every flight is videoed and we look through the video for every debrief um, and then it's looking through each individual so each individual will call out their own errors as the uh, as the flight goes on and it's a matter then of working out if an error you've spotted if you did it in that same maneuver the day before or the flight before if that's a trend for you so if you need to go and, and make a change in the next flight and that will be for each individual maneuver as well so if you were to come and watch a red's debrief you'd think it was a little disorganized because red one will be leading it and then there'll be eight other people calling out their own errors as they go along but it's because they're all identifying it mm -hmm. and if anybody doesn't spot something red one's still listening out for people to call their own errors and if they right. don't he can then chirp in and go oh actually two you were wired there or something like that. So yeah. honesty is kind of key. You can't be honesty too embarrassed about it. No, no, there's, yeah. there's no embarrassment. And yeah. every, everyone makes mistakes and we're still learning at this point. And even through the season, there's no such thing as an absolutely perfect mm -hmm. um, res display. Obviously, that's what we're we're aiming for. But there, there is likely to always be something in there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, there's no embarrassment. You've got to be loud and proud. Call out your errors. I think any sort of Royal Air Force flying is all about integrity and, and owning up. Mm -hmm. But I just think that's heightened in the Reds mm -hmm. as well. But I was, uh, we were lucky to be in the debrief and you were calling out things and I was like, I can't spot that. You know, it was just like, it looked perfect to me, but for you guys it must be like quite clear when you're yeah, and In fact, learning to debrief, um, quite, learning to debrief is a bit of a skill in itself as well because I'm exactly the same as you. When I was on the shortlist and I was watching the guys training and they'd be calling out things. Mm -hmm. I was like, that looks like a red arrow just like yeah. So you get uh, you get sort of a, an eye for it. You do mm -hmm. develop an eye over a couple of debriefs to think, oh, right, okay, that's so you can pick up on points, yeah. Like. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So who creates the display for each year? Is it all a team effort or is it Red One? How does it work? So it's uh, Red One uh, will put together the first half and for those that don't know, there's kind of two halves to a red display. The first half is when all nine aircraft are together, and that's the big shapes, sort of the graceful um, manoeuvres. Uh, so actually you'll see sort of the classic stuff like Tornado is generally quite a favourite as well. Um, and then that will split down um, halfway through, and then we split into Enid and Jippo. So Enid the front five and Jippo the back four, mm -hmm. so synchro pair plus eight and nine. At that point then, Red One continues to make up the uh, Enid manoeuvres and then Synchro Lead will make up the manoeuvres for Jippo. Okay, then, right. Yeah, exactly. And then so for that second half, Enid will do a pass, some sort of manoeuvre, and then Jippo will come through or Synchro will come through, then Enid, then Jippo. So um, makes sense, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then that's all slotted together. And that's the point we're at in winter training at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, you saw the first uh, timing run today. Um, so we're just looking to put it all together. So what can we expect from the 2020 season? Is anything new coming up that the, the viewers are going to love? Uh, I don't think I can give away any, <laughs> I knew any that was of the happen. spoilers this year. There is a couple of things to look out for. Um, I guess I can give a bit of a teaser that there's, a, there's maybe a manoeuvre or two that haven't been seen for a little while. So King Red Arrows fans might spot that. I can't really give any spoilers, unfortunately. Do you have a favourite manoeuvre from the past that you've always enjoyed, like Tornado you mentioned there? Actually, yeah. So, like a lot of people, one of my favourites is Tornado. In terms of just pure shapes, I really like the way Phoenix looks. I'm, I'm happy that Phoenix is in uh, this year's display as well. I think it's just a nice looking formation, but Tornado looks great. Every it time does, I yeah. yeah. I think go uh, the Goose is, I like goose, that. Goose looks good as well. That's great, yeah. So where can we see the Red Arrows this season? Is there anywhere special you're going to be going to? Uh, so... 
In terms of domestic uh, air shows and fly past, we're looking to, um, obviously last year, unfortunately, although the America Tour was a, a great success and fantastic for the guys, um, and they won't stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> Must be annoying for you. Yeah, a little bit annoying for me. Uh, fantastic for the guys. It did mean, unfortunately, we didn't manage to uh, get all the UK air shows. So certainly this year, we're making a real effort to get to as many of the UK air shows <laughs> as we can. So how long have you got? Is it three years each pilot gets? Yeah, standard is three years. So each year you move position as well. So generally um, you start in closer to red one and then you kind of move out mm -hmm. each year. So just got to make the most of it, I think, because speaking to some of the guys that left last year, the, the guys are in their third year, they say it, it goes really quick. So I've heard that before, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just trying to make the most of it. Mm -hmm. enjoy, enjoy it all. Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up the interview, how would you sum up your time so far on the Red Arrows? So far, um, it's been the most demanding, uh, but most fun and probably most rewarding flying I've done so far in my Royal Air Force career. Um, the learning curve is very steep, but it's really nice because as you start to get a bit further on through the training, so a couple of months in, you can see you start to be uh, you start to pick up on your errors. It's quite easy to forget mm -hmm. where you were even just a couple of weeks earlier. So every so often we'll go back and look at some tapes from a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and it's nice to see that the progression is still occurring. Um, it, it's absolutely the most, mm -hmm. it's the best flying I've done. And as a side note, does it is it eventually just clicks or is it like a, a building block approach, like you say, where you just kind of gradually yeah. get there? Yeah, so I'd say overall it's, it's incremental improvements. Mm -hmm. We don't look to go out and, say if you spot an error mm -hmm. in, in some manoeuvre, we don't look to go out and fix that error in one go because the chances are you'll overswing and right. go in the other direction. Mm -hmm. So it's just incremental chipping away and very much that building block approach that, that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, just because that way you're you're more likely to make those small small um, gains each mm -hmm. time, and then get up to the standards that everyone expects of the red arrows. Mm -hmm. So, Will, do you have any hobbies? Uh, so, outside of aviation, I've got a little dog, so he takes up a bit of my time, taking walks in the evenings uh, at weekends. Also, like sailing as well. So, I go sailing with my uh, with my old man on his boat. So yeah, just a, a few things outside of aviation, although mm -hmm. that does take up <laughs> a lot of my time. Yeah, I can imagine. Favourite aircraft you have flown? Oh, uh, I would say, depends what I'm being asked to do in it. Full formation, be the T1, mm -hmm. uh, but just pure fun and enjoyment, uh, it's got to be the Typhoon. Just the power of it, mm -hmm. manoeuvrability, the carefree handling as well. Mm -hmm. Fantastic aircraft. Absolutely. Is there an aircraft you wish you could have flown or might want to fly in the future? I'd love to fly a Spitfire, so BBMF, something like that would be fantastic. The Hurricane, you know, great aircraft as well, but I think going and flying some old warbirds would be a really great thing to do. So Will, where can we find you online personally? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitter at RFRed2 and on Instagram as well, which will be uh, WillCambridge underscore Red 2 Well, Will, thank you very much for giving up a bit of your time. No problem at all, I've enjoyed it, thanks very much.